The message of the Bible is of the father who desires a beautiful bride for his son. The gospel is not stagnant at the king who died on a cross. The cross acquired, it's secured, it points forwards to the coming king who will bring about the restitution of all things, establish his kingdom, wed his people and fulfill the promises. When he breaks and resolves the tension between the Mosaic covenant with its blessings and curses dependent upon uh, the response and obedience of the people of Israel and the promised blessings of the Abrahamic covenant that affect not just Israel but the entire earth. God will corporately transition his chosen people under the new covenant alongside Christian believers and in doing so they can become the great holy nation in a secure kingdom that shall never be destroyed. Therefore all the nations of the earth will be blessed. The good news is that Jesus died to pay for our debt of sin so that we can be forgiven, be in right standing with God, be made clean, be saved from our sins now uh, through the work of the Holy Spirit, and that he rose on the third day so that one day we too can be saved from our death-ridden bodies and be resurrected to eternal life, becoming citizens of his future kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. The gospel of the kingdom looks back to the cross, which points forwards to the empty tomb and the ascension, and therefore his magnificent appearing when he will resurrect his bride from the tombs. We are betrothed, we're engaged, patiently enduring evil, yearning to be rescued and married to our knight in shining glory. Now, this doesn't mean that each and every gathering we speak about his return, but there is a framework of a fuller gospel and real hope of the future in light of the present evil age. The Apostle Paul, um, who spent only a few weeks with the Thessalonians, wrote to them to remind them to live in view of the day of the Lord. For if we believe, he writes, that Jesus died and rose again, so also we believe that God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep as Christians. He was like, surely you remember, we were drilling you on the hope of the resurrection, being caught up with him in the air, the man of lawlessness who will come first, the wrath of God that will be poured out. These were newborn Christians, and this was basic discipleship. And this pattern is laced throughout the New Testament. Peter says, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. From uh, Genesis 3, uh, the promise of the messianic seed to uh, one day crush Satan's rule of the earth through the prophets who over and over speak of the day of the Lord, the return of King Jesus when he judges the nations and establishes his kingdom. What is often taught in the UK is, is a good gospel, but it's an incomplete gospel. 
with a primary focus on the now and over-spiritualizing of the kingdom, over-realizing it in the present and an abstract hope of a disembodied state in a heavenly realm. Because of false teachers and false prophecies and goofy YouTube videos, people understandably grew weary of the subject of Christ's return, particularly here in the UK. But we don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. We don't throw out our great tangible hope of a new heavens and a new earth because a few people muddied the waters. Confusion and apathy around eschatology, uh, which is the study of final events of redemptive history, is precisely what the devil wants. Eschatology is not a distraction. It should drive discipleship. As a local church, and I say that with, um, in the true sense of a gathering of believers rather than a building, we have a mission to prepare the nation for the return of the Lord. Uh, that includes the wider UK church, the people of the nation, and the government. The words of Jesus spring to mind, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. We are committed to invite the people of this nation, whether you're passing through of temporary or permanent residence, to the wedding that will take place between Jesus the groom and the bride, which is the body of those who have faith in him. And it's the father's desire that the son should have a bride made up from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages. Now, the UK, of course, is a reached nation, yet because generation after generation have now never stepped into a church gathering, simple gospel concepts are alien. We're, we're reached, but blind in this post-Christian context. And equally here in Greater Manchester, for example, there are people from all over the world who have the gospel just feet away, just a click away, but for whatever reason, it's unlikely to penetrate their bubble. I was born in what's known as the 1040 window, uh, specifically in Asia, uh, as my parents from Manchester took the gospel to one of the hardest to reach areas of the world. And now uh, I'm called to bring the gospel back to this nation, based in Manchester, to a nation that has largely turned its back on God while benefiting from the fruits. For the nation to be prepared, the wider church, the bride, must first be prepared, fit and healthy. The church must be prepared for the stormy days ahead, eagerly dressing herself with fine linen for her kingly bridegroom, practicing endurance, to speak out for righteousness, to live daily lives of faithfulness, testifying to the future glory, to be rewarded having finished the race well. The bride, as she stands, requires a reformation. She's in bad shape. She requires a new balanced diet, a cleansing of her sullied dress, a reordering, a posture change. That's not an attack on God's bride. God forbid. It's the reality of where we are at. She needs great help from the Lord, and we ask that he will use us to assist in that preparation. The government too will be held to account by the King of Kings, and it's our duty 
as stewards of the mysteries of God's revelation entrusted to us in fear and trembling, if we in sincerity care for the well-being of the nation, we warn and we raise the alarm that one day, as Jesus stands on the Mount of Olives, he will judge our nation. The risen Jesus commissioned us to go and make disciples of all nations. Yes, that means individuals, but nations as a whole require discipleship in preparation of judgment. Which judgment? The judgment he spoke about just days before the cross, the sheep and goats. How did you respond to the promises I made to Abraham? How did you respond to my people Israel? As you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. In the confusion of today, we cannot lay idle when the trumpet does not sound a clear call and the salt has lost its taste. To shy away from controversy and to just flow with the culture, there is a real urgency for clear biblical teaching with the boldness of Peter and John, standing on God's everlasting word as the fickle tides of popular doctrines wash in and out. God has graciously warned us to prepare, so we have a responsibility to warn others to prepare so that we can be protected from his wrath to receive reward opposed to punishment. Paul said, I am innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. The prophet Ezekiel was cautioned, if you give him no warning, nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way in order to save his life, that person shall die for his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. The time is now for abiding in his word with persevering, prevailing prayer, standing in the gap, driving the fear of the Lord into this nation, calling for individual, corporate and national repentance and faith in the one true God, moving in an opposite spirit of the age, leading by example with a heart posture that leans towards the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and his people and his promises. We have an astonishingly good story to tell. A lion king will soon roar through the nations, rid evil from this planet, wipe away tears from all faces, set up true justice, give everlasting life, eradicate death, reverse and remove the curse that sin has caused on the earth when the wolf shall dwell with the lamb and they will beat their swords into plowshares, when the earth will be returned to Edenic conditions and we will worship our Lord and Saviour face to face. As we, as we look around, we see the escalation of regional events, the winding up of the geopolitical climate as God sets the stage for his glorious return. Now, Jesus may not return in our lifetimes, I suspect you will. Even so, God prepares nations generations ahead of time. Over the next couple of decades, everything will be shaken and our foundations in Christ Jesus must be firm lest we be scattered. In fact, I wrote this in May 2019, long before the COVID pandemic and whatever else transpires um, 
I'm simply refilming the video for the website. God is raising up people and ministries for such a time as this. Perhaps you're not following everything that I'm saying, and that's okay, it's kind of intentional. Um, but if you sense that stir in your spirit and you recognize the urgency and the gravity of what is at stake, be part of a new team and journey, whether we're gathering together, seeking new locations to meet, ascending teams to the streets, or erecting a canopy of prayer over the city, so to speak. Our strategies may change as we follow the ways of the Lord, yet through evangelism, discipleship, and intercession, come, be part, or support us, and help prepare this nation for the Lord's return.